You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Allow me to introduce the message by reading with you. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah 10. It will take me just a few moments to go through this chapter and then get to the message of the evening. Generally, I'd like to let you know where we're going, but we'll know that in a few minutes. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, his ministry was 41 years, and he had zero success. There was no turning back to God. The house of God, in fact, became worse under his ministry, not because of him. The people didn't want God. They didn't need God. So they corrupted the house of God. And when they corrupted the house of God, they paid for it with the judgment of God. I think sometimes we think that God's not watching. God says his eyes are running to and fro, seeking, by the way, where he can put down his blessing on God's people, his people, 2 Chronicles chapter 16. God wants to bless us. And so his eyes, I think I'll stop right over there in Santa Clara, California. There's a godly teenager. There's a godly college. There's a godly senior saint. I think I'll pour some blessing out on that church because that's a church that's trying to be what I want them to be. We design our own churches today. You want a rock and roll church? You can get one. You want a church that has no Sunday night, no Wednesday night? You can find that. You want a church to have it your way? You can find one and design it your way. But you don't want church your way where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You want it God's way. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle. The Bible says in chapter 10, hear the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. The customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth the tree out of the forest, and the work of the hands, the workmen with the axes, and they deck it with silver and with gold, and they fasten it with nails and hammers that it moveth not. They make their own gods out of the trees that God created. They put gold and silver on it, and they form it as their little god, But God says that's a false God. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs be born. They have to carry them because they cannot go. They can't walk. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is there any in them that do good. Now here's the real God. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, Thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? Verse number eight. But they are altogether brutish. You're going to find that word three times in this text. When something is brutish in the Bible, it literally means a word that we tell our children not to say. It's stupid. 
And I know some child's going to correct me afterwards, or someone will. You said the word stupid, Pastor. But that word brutish means that. You're just stupid. So foolish. They are altogether brutish and foolish, the stock of their doctrine of vanities. Silver spread on plates, and they bring the false gods back into it, and their hands and their purple and their clothing. They're the work of cunning men. But here we go, is the real God. But the Lord, verse 10, is the true God, the living God, the everlasting King. Now here's the false God, verse 11. Thus shall he say to them, the gods that thou hast not made of the heavens and the earth, even shall perish from the earth. Here's the real God. He that hath made the earth by his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom. He's going back and forth. False God, real God, only God. Then he talks about the weather. When he uttereth his voice, there's a multitude of waters in the heavens. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightning and rain and wind. Every man is brutish in his knowledge. Every founder of the compound by the graven image, the molten image is falsehood. They are vanity, the works of heirs. Verse number 18. Oh, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at this once, and they'll distress them, and they may find it so. Woe is me. I'd like you to read verse 19, please, our verse tonight. Ready, begin. Woe is me, for my hurt, my wound is grievous. I said, truly, this is a grief, but I must bear it. Our Father, thank you for Jeremiah. He introduced to us the false gods and the only God. And now he introduces himself. He's pastoring these fallen people, the fallen state of people. Lord, I, I pray that our church would be the tremendous lighthouse that it needs to be. I thank you for the fact that these dear, dear people are getting the gospel out. And we've seen it today again. We witnessed that this place was packed this morning with so many people and visitors and people getting saved, and we rejoice. Thank you for the buses that ran. And I pray now your blessing upon our time together as we see this one verse in Jesus' name. Amen. In chapter 7, we're in 10, 7, 8, Nine and ten. God's people allow these idols to come into the church, into the sanctuary. We call it the New Testament church. It's Old Testament, the sanctuary. And the fallen state of God's people were so bad that they began to embrace, we like these gods. We, we like what they can do for us. Well, God says, Jeremiah, they're dead. They, they can't speak. They can't even carry themselves. They're, they're worthless as dirt. You don't want the God. They take the trees and they hew them out, the statues, and then they put silver, but they can do nothing. They cannot speak. They have eyes to see. They cannot hear uh, to see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. And the psalmist tells that. And they're just wood, stone, and molten brass. And here's what they did. Go back to chapter number seven, please, by way of introduction. This was happening in God's house. In chapter seven, verse 10. And come and stand 
before me in this house. What was going on? Well, verse number eight, lying words, stealing, murder, adultery, swearing falsely, incense to Baal, walking after other gods, and they come, all this agenda, and they stand in this house. Verse 11, is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. Look what he says in verse 26. Yet they hearken not unto me, nor incline their ear, but they hardened their neck, and they did worse than their father. Therefore shalt thou speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. They shall uh, also call, uh, 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 thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, this is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Go to chapter 8, please, and verse number 5. Why then is this people of Jerusalem slidden back by perpetual backsliding and they hold fast deceit, they refuse to return? He says in verse number eight, how do you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? The wise men are ashamed, they are dismayed and taken low. They have rejected the word of the Lord and what wisdom is in them? Verse 12, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the, the heathen, of course. If you'll go with me to chapter number 10, please. Jeremiah is lamenting the fact that what's happening in his church. God's people, thank you for doing your best to try to keep this church right keeping it with the Bible, keeping it with songs and hymns and spiritual, keeping our dress right, keeping our attitude right, keeping our philosophy right. I know we're different than the world, but the world's not doing too well, is it? And so here comes the man of God, the preacher, and he introduces this text. I, the Lord gave me this thought three, four weeks ago, my own personal Bible reading. This preacher was so weary and you know, I'm not weary. I love it. I love it tonight. I love what I'm doing. Brother Moria gave me a, they made a copy of a, one of our broadcasts, and they said, Dr. Lee Robertson, Mr. Positive, he'd be 100-something years of age if he was alive. And he said he was preaching, and it did not sound like Dr. Lee Robertson because he brought in discouragement. He said, you know what? So many of God's people in that great auditorium sat 10, nearly 10,000. He said, uh, seven to 10,000. He said, so many uh, God's people, you're, you're just drifting so fast away from God. This had to be 35 years ago. He said, I've got so many staff. I really wonder how many of you even with me on this thing. Just really a couple that, and he had a church that, that went really every Sunday morning over 10, 11,000 people. That's how I wonder about the members. I wonder, I wonder about my staff. And that's not Dr. Lee Robertson. But he was in a moment, you could tell, you could hear it. 
I'm not in that moment tonight. I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed. I've been those times. I think I'm the only good one left, you know. And then I go to a prayer meeting. Gabe, I heard you speak about where you work in your company. And I heard your testimony, how he's trying to witness at the company. And it got on me that night, Brother Cooper, a couple weeks ago. I wonder what kind of a Christian I would be if I wasn't the pastor. I wonder if I'd come to men's prayer meeting. I hope I would, but I wonder, Brother Poussin. I wonder if I would go sowing if I wasn't the pastor. I hope so. I wonder if I would get up like I do every morning, the dark of the morning, and read my Bible, and may do it through the night tonight if I can't sleep. I, I, wonder, I wonder if I would do that. I wonder if I would have my prayer journal and work with my prayer journals. I try to. I wonder if I would really be a prayer warrior and I'd pray for people like I pray. So no, I'm not standing before you, you bad, bad, bad people. It got on me that night at prayer because I kept thinking, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I'd be as godly and holy and righteous and godly if I were in your shoes. And I'm not suggesting I'm higher than you. I look at who you are and thinking, oh, wretched man that I am. I pray one day, and I know I love you dearly, but I pray that, oh, God, these people deserve someone so much better. I go through, I go through that, not that you're bad. I go through it that I'm the difficulty here. Wait a minute. Jeremiah's going to introduce himself. And Brother Oxidine, it's, it must be like your task sometime having to deal with struggles and the college even, with young people and working with them, trying to help them. It must be that way for you, Brother Fanera, work with young people and trying to get them just to do right and learn to do right. Jeremiah introduces, what's the first word that he mentions in verse number 17, verse 19? Whoa. I'm going to get to my text momentarily. But I need to introduce this first, and we're going to go verse word by word, because I want you to know what he says. Woe, woe is by definition in our Hebrew tongue, what this was written. It is simply a man that is passionate and crying out grief. Woe, I'm just overcome. Woe. I have grief. It's like a parent that has poured their life into a son or daughter. See them wander away from God. Whoa! Oh, you kids will know someday. You'll have a son and you'll have a daughter. And I'll tell you how you'll pass many a nights like this. Oh, dear God, my sweet son, my sweet daughter, where's my wandering son tonight? Lord, keep him from alcohol tonight. Keep him from drugs tonight. He's around a bad influence. Oh, God, protect my boy. Protect my girl. Oh, dear God, would you please keep him from crimes tonight? Will you keep him from sin? Will you keep my son from the strange woman? I tell you what, I know scores of people that pray. You have a pastor that many times through the night hour, Lord, I wonder, I, I, I beg, Lord, here's a member. I know they're away from me. I know they're away from me. I'm not mad at them. I'm broken hearted for them. And that's what this word, woe, it's just I'm overcome. 
I love this person so much. Whoa, whoa. But look what he says. The, the tenor is, whoa. Look what he says. It's me. The second word for my hurt. I, I'm not, I don't know Hebrew and Brother Oxenheim and Greek and all that like you, but I can look it up. And I looked at that word hurt. It means to fracture. It's the breaking point. I wonder what mother, what dad's at the breaking point tonight. I wonder what pastor tonight that's listening. God bless you, men of God. You're at the breaking point. It just seems that everything is just, it's breaking on you. To, to, to hurt is to crush. It's to ruin. It's to shatter. It's to fracture. It's to break. You are at the breaking point. Whoa! I'm breaking. Wait a minute. Look what the verse says. Whoa is me for my hurt. Here's this word, my wound. Wound. That's a wonderful, that's an amazing word. Wound means my beating. I'm beat down. Have you ever been beat down with your finances, with your job, with yourself, with your marriage, with your family? Have you ever just been beat down, just beat down, beat down, beat down? And at the same time, he's, he's describing, I'm beat down, I'm beat down, I'm broken, I'm broken, and oh, wow. If you've never been there, you will be. You don't get through life like it's Disneyland every day. There's sorrows, there's heartaches, there's disappointment, there's betrayal, there's dreams that you had that are forever shattered. Notice what he says, whoa. That's the passionate cry for help. My hurt, that's the breaking point. My wound, I'm beat down. I'm beat, I'm, I'm defeated. Then what's the next word he says? Is grievous. Grievous is I'm worn out. I'm sick. I'm at the point I'm just sick and tired, I'm worn out. My dear pastor right now, and I'm speaking to our people, but the pastors are listening. I, I know it. I wish you all could pastor a church like this. These people are amazing. And some of you are worn out. You're just worn out. You're sick of it. You're not sick of God. You're not sick of the Bible. You're just, you're just sick of, what, 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 what is that? And we don't have it. I have 41 deacons, Brother Van Dyke. I can't imagine a pastor, and they have five deacons that are all mad at the pastor, or four of them. And there's fighting going on. I can't imagine that lady that ran the finances for the church, and she didn't like the pastor and his wife, like she didn't like about the last 10 before him. And all what she did in the northern country, northern city, which are in the wintertime, she shut the power off to the church parsonage so they'd have to be cold in the winter. I can't imagine anybody being so mean to another individual, let alone your pastor. You know, that pastor who's a good man, and they did get rid of him. By the way, the next church was blessed, and it's going on real strong for many years now. But you talk about at the breaking point, that young, that sweet couple, 
You talk about a wound. You talk about something that's grievous. Look at the text here. Whoa, whoa. That's the cry of grief. My hurt, I'm at the breaking point. I'm crushed, I'm fractured. My wound, I'm beat down. It's grievous. I'm worn out. Then he gives us one more word here. The fifth word. Truly, this is my my grief. This is my anxiety. This, This is my disease. This is what's been handed to me. Wait, okay, we're almost there. What's been handed to you? What wound? What sorrow? What woe? What hurt has been handed to you? That's what the text is talking about. This, Jeremiah, this is your lot in life. This is what I'm going to ask you to carry. This, this, this is yours. I don't like it. And I'll tell you what, I watch you raise kids. You feed them. You try to give them good education. You try to make sure you're a good mother, a good dad. And then when they walk away from it, I, I, I've watched people all through these years. I don't know how you go on. And your heart is so sh- shaken and so broken. Our message comes from the last part of the verse and we'll be done. But I must bear it. My message tonight is I must bear it. What lot has God given you that's such woe? What lot has given you God given you that's such hurt? What, 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 what wound has God allowed to come in your life that's just broken your heart? You're going to have to bear it. Amen. Everyone in this room, you're going to have to bear it. Everybody has a wound. Everybody has a grief. Everybody has a hurt. Everyone has a woe. Everyone has a grief. Everyone here has something. If you don't have something right now, hold on, my child. It's coming. So that sounds negative. That's, no, that's life. That is absolutely life. I must bear it. I, I can't run from it. I can't quit. Oh, I admire, I admire the widows in this church that come and the husband's with the Lord and, and all of a sudden we had one of our members pass away last night and, 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 and Brother Dent, Dennis used to sit right here, got saved here, his dear wife is now a, a widow. I want to tell you something. I admire, I admire widows that come to church, drive by themselves, sit by themselves, go home by themselves. Hey, thank God their Christianity is bigger than their wound, bigger than their grief, bigger than their sorrow. I thank God for the men that come and we have several in this church. Their wives have passed away and they come, they come with a broken, there's a wound, there's a grief. I thank God for kids that have a wound in a heart, but that's my battle. That's, my, that's what I have to bear. Those that have lost their health, we health, and there's many more that you don't even know about in our church that have diseases and, and permanent illnesses and they're suffering and deteriorating. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, that's what they have to carry. That's what they have to carry. I saw one of our sweet members. I've been her pastor 45 years in church this morning. She had her hair. They had it all made up so beautiful. She had beautiful pink nails. She's elderly. And God gave her 
this morning, a sharp mind this morning. As I talked to her, she knew she, she was connecting with everything. Oh, but that's not how it is most of the time. It just thrilled my heart that I could talk to her. What's your hurt you carry? Tonight as we get to the message and get to our closing, there's a song. I don't know the background. I've tried to research the background. It's page 84. You don't need to turn there. Must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free. Here it is. No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. No. Life is not Disneyland and great America and the park and the play. Life hands you wounds and sorrows and griefs, and heartaches, but I must bear it. I think tonight of a man, and that word bear means simply, I, I must carry it, this is mine. I must endure it, I have to go forward. I think of a man that was in a building project. He couldn't get anybody to build with him, but he had three boys, and they built on that building project for a hundred plus years. They said, we're, we're building a boat. And we want you all to get in the boat because God's going to send rain. There had not been rain. It was a firmament before that, like a mist that God watered the earth. There had not been rain. And God is going to let us go in this thing called an ark and bring the animals two by two and the clean by seven. And then he's going to let us go in. Whoever will can come. And then he's going to shut the door. And there's going to be a worldwide flood. The mountains are going to sink. And all of a sudden, the waters are going to rise. And the waters are going to rise from underneath. And the waters are going to come down from above. And there'll be a worldwide flood. That's why we're sitting on nearly 200,000 feet of sedimentary rock right here. Sedimentary rock is rushing water and wind, and that's why this is shifting sand. Because there was a flood. And God said there would be a flood. And the man built and built. Hey, 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 Noah, you got your boys out here today, year one. What are they doing? Well, we're laying out the, the ark. It's a boat. <laughs> You guys became, it went for five years, they ridiculed for 10 years, for 20 years, for 50 years, 100 years, 120, building that ark. They laughed at them. God shut the door, and by the way, they say they discovered the ark in Turkey. And I wonder if you could find that ark, if you would see claw marks on the side of it and hatchets that try to get in the ark. You imagine what a wound it would have been for Noah to build and be ridiculed and his wife ridiculed and his sons ridiculed every single day. But this I must bear. I have to bear it. I think about Joseph. Knowing that his dad may still be alive, he was betrayed by his brother. He was thrown in a pit and went to the pit and went to the pit and eventually went to the prison. 
betrayed by his brothers, and they lied over 20 years to daddy. Those years must have been very difficult years, but I must bear it. I think of Job. There was not a better man in the East, Job 1.4. He eschewed evil. He was a righteous man. He was a great man. And yet God chose his journey would be the journey of sorrow and hurt. And he lost all 10 children in one day. And he lost all his cattle and all his property and all his possessions. And he lost it all. And all of a sudden, he lost his health. And his wife said, curse God, chapter 2, and die. He lost his wife. And for one year he suffered, but this I must bear. This is, my, this, this is what God's called me to bear. I must bear it. The truth is most of us have something to bear, and we don't like what God's given us, so we fight God. I won't take the time. I wanted to turn you over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, a night and a day in the deep. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. The apostle Paul, they ridiculed him. They left him for dead. But I must bear it. As Jeremiah, I must bear it. As Joseph, I must bear it. Like Job, I must bear it. Like Noah, I must bear it. Those Hebrew saints of God in Hebrews 11, 36 through 39, and they were sawn asunder, they're cut in half. They were stoned. Their children were delivered over to death. They were set on fire. They were tormented. They were slaughtered. But I must bear it. I must bear it. Those Hebrew saints. I think tonight of Moses who was 40 years with rebels in a desert. And they murmured and they complained. But I must bear it. I think of Elijah and Elisha. I must bear it. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and, and, and Nahum and Habakkuk and Zephaniah and Zechariah and Haggai and Malachi. And they preached and they pled. And Isaiah preached 62 years and they never obeyed God. But I must bear it. God was using this situation in Jeremiah's life, the people are backslidden. They're bent on backsliding. They changed the church. They, they're lying. They're lying. I look right down here in my script. They lied. They could not tell the truth. The vanity of their lives. Their murders. And he said, you're, God, my heart's so broken. He was so disappointed, verse 21, with the pastors. The pastors have become brutish. They've not sought the Lord. Their flocks are scattered. Didn't even bother them. May I close and tell you this, that I must bear it. One, bear it because there's a crown awaiting if you bear it. In James chapter 1 and verse number 12, blessed is he that endureth temptation trials. God says he'll bless you if you endure. For when he has tried he shall receive the crown of life. This is not bearing your sorrow. I tell you what, I'm so sick and tired of this, this health situation. I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm so upset with this. I don't like this. That's complaining. God says he'll bless you if you endure. 
That means patience. You're not blaming God. You're not mad at God. You're not mad at Christianity. You're not mad at the things of God. I think so often as I see people with canes and crutches and wheelchairs and infirmities, I think, you know, God's given you something special because you're special. And if you can do, endure that, if you can be patient with that and go through that trial, there's a crown. There's five crowns when we get to heaven and you'll receive, hey, I want to call you up here and here's the crown of life because you endured temptation. Why? You bared up when you had something that you did not like. That's why Revelation 2.10, faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Those are people in chapter two, verse 10, that were going through tribulation times and difficult times, and God says, you be faithful, I've got a reward for you. I wanna bear my whatever it is that God puts on my plate, because perhaps I could win something that Revelation five, I can give to Jesus Christ, a crown that can be deposited, the Bible says, at his feet. The second reason why I want to bear it is not only because there may be a crown that it can be won, but the second reason is because the power of Christ may rest upon me like no other. Paul said, most gladly, therefore, would I glory in mine infirmity, my wound, my grief, my hurt, my sorrow. Most gladly will I glory in mine infirmity. Why? That the power of God, Christ, might rest upon me. I've met so many Christians in my life, they have nothing but adversity and they're so pleasant to be around. They refresh your heart. When a man preaches with power, with a broken heart, it's because he's gone through the valley. And you know, when you go through the valley of sorrow and sadness and hurt and grief and it's grievous, God tempers you. God changes you. One, I want to bear up. I want to bear my wound. I want to bear my trial, as you do, because there's a crown, because the power of God, because, thirdly, God uses the hurt, the woe, the sorrow, the grief, to purify me. Job said in Job 23, for when I'm tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. In just a few weeks, young people come across this platform. There's three graduations. The first one will be college graduation. And they're going out in the ministry. It's going to be so wonderful. But I promise you, I promise you, every one of them are going to be tested. It may be tested with the death or, a, or the health of a child. They all will be tested. When God tries us and tests us, He seeks to purify us so that we can come forth as gold. Number one, I need to bear up. And you need to bear up because there is a crown awaiting Two, I want to bear up because the power of God can be on our life. Three, purification takes place. In my prayer journal, in one of the first several pages, I have several songs. I like that song. Oh, 
To be like thee, oh, to be like thee, precious Redeemer, pure as thou art. I want to be like Jesus in my home and in my throng and be like Jesus all day long. I want to be like him. Fourthly, I will be done. I want to bear up for a testimony. I want to leave this church when God transports me to heaven. I left a good example for these children. God's word says, Paul writes to Timothy. He calls him my son in the faith and he calls him youth, but he's a man perhaps in his 40s. He says, my son, be thine example to the believer. Be an example. You young couples, you young adults that are not married, you are being an example to these college students. You young college students, you're being an example to these high school students. You high school students, you're being an example to the junior high and junior high to the elementary and elementary to the children. And on the way up, to the senior saints, you're being an example. I don't want to leave an example. He was a grump. He was just an old, grumpy old man. He was so negative. I don't want to leave that example. I would hope one day, if the Lord tarries and takes me, I hope that I'll leave an example that he loved God. He loved his wife. He loved his family. He loved his 14 grandkids. He loved this church. He loved singing. He loved hearing preaching and preaching. He loved the things of God. I must bear it. It hurts me when I watch you bear some things. Look at verse 19. Woe. Woe is me. For my hurt, my wound, it's grievous. I said, truly, this grief, this is a grief, but, but, but I must bear it. It's a blow. I'm beaten down. I'm worn out. I'm at the breaking point. I'm full of anxiety right now. But I must bear it. I'll do my best, as Galatians says, bear one another's burdens. I'll do my best to bear with you. But in the long run, it's your battle. It's your opportunity. Shadow that and go on. My son has broken my heart. I don't want to live. Everything I gave my life to, my son is destroying. It just, I love him so much. My daughter, I just feel so destroyed. My wife left me. My husband left me. I'm of no value to anyone. My health is so broken. I want to care for my wife and she's caring for me. I hate it. I want to care for my husband. But he's caring for me, I know. And I don't know what griefs are ahead for you. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.